Good morning and welcome back to Palmetto Shores Small Group Resources, where today we are continuing to look at Romans 8. We're in verses 33 and 34. The sermon text this week is the 82nd Psalm. You know, Paul is in the middle of asking really seven rhetorical questions, which began last week in verses 31 and 32. And his questions begin with, what then shall we say to these things? You know, in verse 31, I I really believe Paul is saying in light of verses 28 through 30, that all things work together for good to believers in Christ. That's the predestined, the called, the justified and the glorified. What else is there really to say? You know, like a good trial attorney, Paul is bringing his case to a close. He's he's making his final arguments here. So he asked these six powerful questions beginning in 31. Let's pick up with the fourth question in 33, and I'll read 33 and 34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Very, very powerful. So who will charge us or who will accuse us and and certainly who would condemn us? These are the two questions laid before us this week to consider in our text. The commentator and author John Stott said, and I quote, Paul's argument is that no prosecution can succeed since God, our judge, has already justified us and that we can never be condemned since Jesus Christ, our advocate, has died for our sins, was raised from the dead, is seated at God's right hand, and is interceding for us. End of quote. Words matter, don't they? I mean, there's power in our words, right? And Paul doesn't just ask the following question, who shall bring any charge against us? No, no, no. He asked the question this way, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Then he follows up with, it is God who justifies. If God has chosen us and it is he who justifies, any accusation against us falls to the ground. And remembering that words matter, listen to Paul's next question in verse 34, how he phrases it. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, and who is at the right hand of God, and who is interceding for us. Again, he doesn't just say, in light of all these things, who could condemn us? He asks the question first, who is to condemn, and then reminds us that Jesus Christ died for the sins that that would have condemned us, was raised, demonstrating God's acceptance of Christ's sacrifice necessary for our justification, is seated at the right hand of God, resting from his finished work, and finally, that he is interceding for us, our heavenly advocate and high priest. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah, written some 800 years earlier from Paul's writing. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. 
it is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? That's Isaiah 50 verses 8 and 9. So in closing, this world, in this world, do people accuse you of things falsely? Sure they do. Do you tell yourself lies sometime? Of course. And do people in this life try to condemn you? Well, of course they do. But remember, (laughs) the God of the universe who did not spare his son for you while you were his enemy, by the way, declares that you are innocent in his eyes because you placed your faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. I pray that you will celebrate this truth and rest in God's magnificent grace and mercy that is poured out abundantly for his chosen people. I'm looking forward to next week as we close out this great chapter, but until then, enjoy your small group time.